This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 307. What happens to bank on yourself if the dollar disappears? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey guys, what is even better than a five-star review on this podcast? Well, it's actually sharing it with a friend. More people find podcasts because friends recommend it than any other way. So hit that share button in your podcast app and send this episode to a friend right now. Let us know you did, and we'll send you a copy of our favorite book free of charge. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode. Today we're going to be diving into a topic that's been on the minds of many people around the world. Will the dollar collapse? The US dollar has been the world's dominant reserve currency for decades. But with the rise of other economic powers, mounting concerns about the US economy, many people are questioning whether the dollar's reign is coming to an end. There's no secret that the US dollar has been the standard for global currency for over a century. But recent events have brought into question whether this dominance is going to continue. Specifically, the COVID-19 pandemic that brought widespread economic turmoil to the world and the U.S. economy has also been severely impacted. With trillions of dollars in stimulus packages and increased federal spending, concerns have really been raised about the viability of the U.S. dollar over the long term. Of course, this is super controversial and many opinions out there. No one knows the future on whether or not the U.S. dollar is truly at risk of collapsing. Some people believe that it's about to be at its strongest point ever. That's what happened in 2008. In 2008, it was a high-level moment of whether the dollar would collapse then. And what happened? Asia and many other countries began buying up dollars as fast as they could to protect themselves against their own currency strengthening. See, when currencies get stronger, sometimes there's negative implications for the local economies. And so many people saw the death of the dollar and wanted to save it. But now in 2023, some people believe that as we're going through this similar economic malaise, that there's going to be a certain resilience to the United States that will ensure that the dollar will remain the standard bearer of the world currency for years to come. Of course, other people argue that there's now staggering debt, inflation, lack of manufacturing within the U.S. that could be the beginning of the end of the dollar. So I'm not here to pick a side, and I have no dog in that fight. We're not really a political podcast, and I don't intend to be. At Not Your Average Financial Podcast, we're all about thinking differently about our money, our economy, and our future. So for today's episode, it is important because the world economy impacts your personal finance in dramatic ways. It's a topic that a lot of folks have been asking me in our one-on-one meetings. So we're going to be answering a lot of the questions such as, What would a collapse in the dollar mean for the average American? What would it mean for a bank-on-yourself-designed whole life policy? We'll cover what happens to dividend-paying whole life insurance if the dollar is no longer the world's reserve currency. To understand this complex topic, let's just start with the basics. Why are so many people concerned about the possibility of the dollar collapsing? First of all, 
The U.S. economy has been facing significant challenges in the most recent years, such as rising debt levels, growing trade deficits. Those are hitting you know, new records every month almost. Additionally, other countries like China, Russia, have been really working to reduce their reliance on the dollar, and they're promoting the use of their own currencies for international trade. All of these factors and many more have really contributed to fears that the dollar could lose its status of, as the world's reserve currency, which would have significant implications for the U.S. and the global economy. So a reserve currency, what is that thing? Anyway, it's a currency that's held by central banks and other financial institutions around the world as a means of international exchange. It's a way for people in other parts of the world to do business. Rather than having to do currency exchanges between you know, your country and my country, we'll just both share dollars, and that can be a simpler way for us to do business together. It's used from everything, from international trade to lending between countries. The U.S. dollar has been the economic centerpiece, the world reserve currency, and it's had that status for decades because of a few things. One, the size and stability of the U.S. economy as well as the dominance of American financial institutions like the Federal Reserve and the major banks. The dollar's status as a reserve currency has also been supported by the fact that uh, it's used to price many commodities around the world, like oil, which has really created a high demand for the U.S. dollar. So what would be sort of the ramifications if the dollar was going to lose its status as the world reserve currency? Well, I think there'd be dramatic implications for the U.S., but also for the global economy as a whole. So if the dollar were to collapse, it would lead to a sharp decline in the value of the currency, the U.S. dollar, which would make importing more expensive. It would mean we'd have to spend 10 times as much buying that IKEA furniture, and it would reduce the purchasing power that most Americans could have. So instead of buying 17-bedroom houses, we could maybe only afford to get two-bedroom houses. It could also lead to higher interest rates, as investors would demand a higher return on their investments in order to compensate for the increased risk. On a global level, the loss of the dollar's reserve currency status would not just be roses for the rest of the world either. It would lead to significant changes in international trade, investment patterns, as countries would have to find alternative currencies for transactions. And for many people, they see the U.S. dollar as the cleanest shirt in the dirty laundry bin. So are we on the brink of economic collapse? I've got to say, i just very, very humble here. It's difficult to predict the future. You know, it's unlikely that the dollar will collapse completely in the near term, at least. You see, the U.S. economy is still the largest in the world, and the dollar remains the most widely used currency for international trade and investment. Banks house themselves here in the United States. And banks are the ones that really run the show. If you dig deep enough, you can find that banks do not want to divest themselves of U.S. dollars. However, there are certainly some challenges that I think the U.S. must address in order to maintain this dollar status as a reserve currency. I believe in, in part it's got to be looking at the national debt, figuring out how we can get ourselves back online uh, in terms of managing our spending, addressing trade imbalances, and promoting economic growth from top to bottom. So there are two basic truths that I want to kind of relay in this episode. And I rely on this as my financial benchmark when I look at the United States of America and, and its capacity to remain an economic powerhouse. 
These two truths are, one, the American people have always had a need for basic currency. People need the ability to trade and to buy goods and services, things that they want to buy. And number two, as long as there is free enterprise in the United States, there's always going to be a need to raise cash, raise capital in order to start or sustain businesses. So let's dig into both of these truths. Number one, whether the currency is the dollar or some sort of crypto, or we're reduced to simply trading water bottles, uh, there's going to have to be some kind of currency. Okay, it's been this way for thousands of years. As long as we've had human civilization, there's always been a need to trade back and forth with a convenient intermediary. So rather than going full barter mode, trading your animal skin for my ammunition or whatever, people prefer the convenience of some sort of agreed upon currency. So the question that always gets raised is, well, what if there's so much dollars created here that our currency is devalued to the point of being worthless? So first of all, whatever happens to the intrinsic value of the dollar affects every American, no matter where you put your money. So unless you can convert all of your wealth into gold, and King Midas notwithstanding, it would be really difficult to live in a gold house or consume gold food, for example. So rather than converting all your wealth to gold, you're going to be subject to some of the same currency valuations that everybody else is having to go through. So not only that, but if the government were to default on its debt, or if there was a reset of the currency, owning gold would likely become illegal. If this seems outlandish, sounds like a conspiracy theory? Well, it actually happened in the United States. Franklin Delano Roosevelt made owning gold illegal for Americans in 1933. And conservative and liberal outlets are saying that it could happen again. So yes, as long as we have free enterprise to trade, We'll always be using some form of currency to trade with our fellow man. Come back to that in just a minute. So there will always be a currency. But let's first move on to the second truth that I mentioned, that if free enterprise ceases to exist in America, we are really out of luck. Our nation basically is converted to or has been taken over by some sort of totalitarian regime that forbids private ownership of property. If that becomes the case, it really won't matter what our currency is worth. For that matter, what currency is called because the state will own us and, and our labor, so we won't have any need for currency at that point. None of our financial assets will exist because the state will have basically made it all the states. So between these two extremes, between the current situation we're in and the very end of free enterprise itself, there's a lot of room to guess what would happen to the U.S. dollar. But as long as free enterprise exists, our current system of interest-bearing debt and the need for a currency is going to continue. We're going to need some sort of currency. So how does all of what I've just said basically translate long-term into the future of bank-on-yourself-designed whole life insurance? Okay, first of all, none of the first-class life insurance companies that I use and rely on to engineer bank-on-yourself-designed whole life insurance has any, really much if any, treasury bonds. That's a first big piece there. They invest almost exclusively in long-term corporate bonds some high-grade real estate projects, and that sort of thing. Although nothing has zero risk, these bonds and real estate deals are really not considered risk investments since they're at the bottom of the risk scale. So as I mentioned earlier, free enterprise has a continuing, ever-present, large appetite for cash, capital. Even if there was some sort of currency reset, corporations would still exist. The very next morning after the dollar vaporizes off of our planet, 
there would still be some sort of need for capital and, and money to be able to exchange and buy coffee the next morning. So existing bonds too, the rest of the stock market would all need to be reset, reset to the currency, which was paying interest and allowing folks to buy their coffee and invest in bonds and that sort of thing. But even if the Fed and the banks keep interest rates at near zero or go back down to zero, the competition for capital investment will still command premiums above treasury bonds for things like corporate bonds. So we can always expect to outperform the low bond yield of treasuries, whether the money is in dollars or something else. And that's something that we can anticipate, that whole life insurance companies will outperform typical cash-only savings accounts or treasury bonds because life insurance companies are doing better things with the money, whatever it's called. Second, if the dollar devalues dramatically, it's going to, of course, force interest rates much higher. So if we have zero or negative interest rates, in my opinion, that's a temporary phenomenon pushed down by the Federal Reserve, but eventually interest rates have now started to go up. In fact, they've started to go up in the last few years. And as interest rates rise, our whole life insurance policy cash values will increase more because higher interest rates mean higher dividends. And dividends, once you receive them, are forever. Forever meaning for the rest of your life because we use them to purchase more paid-up additions. That's sort of the typical design engineering is we use dividends to purchase paid-up additions, which create permanent cash value and permanent death benefits. So what about bank-on-yourself-designed whole-life policies? If the dollar collapses, will our policy be worthless? Let me start with a short answer first. The policy value is not going to change. It's guaranteed. However, the worth of that policy will change. If the dollar devalues, it'll take more dollars to buy the same items. If milk becomes 10 times more expensive, then our existing cash value would be 10 times less valuable to us. But if that happens, all of our dollar-valued assets would be affected in the same way. Don't forget, you always have to ask yourself, is bank on yourself going to survive the devaluing of a dollar? The answer is, compared to what? That's what you always have to ask yourself. Compared to what? So we really wouldn't have any benefit of putting our money in the stock market or real estate market, certainly not bank accounts if our dollar is becoming devalued. But there are several other advantages to dividend-paying whole life insurance that other assets like stocks and real estate would not have. For example, while it's true that cash value would be less valuable to you if the dollar loses value, there is some upsides to this whole scenario. For example, first of all, the whole life insurance policy premium. These premiums do not go up with inflation. So when dollars are devalued, that makes your premium that you're putting into the policy that much easier to pay. In fact, premiums on whole life insurance are one of the only costs I can think of that are contractually guaranteed to never get more expensive no matter how bad inflation gets for the rest of your life. The insurance company has promised You'll never have to pay more for your policy than was written into the contract when you bought it all those years ago. So what if you had a contract with your grocery store that could offer you the same price on a dozen eggs today as you'd have to pay now 30 years into the future after inflation had taken hold? What a deal to have price of eggs from 30 years ago, right? So remember that your whole life base premium is fixed for the life of the policy. So if that dollar is devalued, 
you'd still be paying the same premium, but with much cheaper dollars. However, to compensate you for inflation, you may have to up more funds into your paid-up additions rider. If you want to start additional policies, you could do that as well. But remember that the base premium does not go up with inflation. In addition, if the dollar is really significantly devalued, again, prevailing interest rates are going to increase due to all the inflation that goes on with the devaluing of the dollar. What happens when interest rates go up? Well, when they go up, our whole life policy cash values increase faster because higher interest rates have historically translated into higher dividends. And dividends, like I said earlier, go into your policy and are in there forever. It's essentially buying a mini life insurance policy through the paid up additions that you're purchasing, which require no ongoing payment. So the higher the dividends, the faster your cash value would grow. If we see a world where the dollar is getting less valuable, you'll end up having plenty more of them inside your policy, which would essentially wash out the devastating impacts of a devalued dollar, as long as there is still some worth in the dollar. And I believe there will be during our lifetimes. And there will be tremendous value in your whole life insurance contract. Again, let's go back to first principles here. And let's think about money in terms of its basic definition. Here's my favorite one from Wikipedia. Money is an item or verifiable record that's generally accepted as payment for goods and services and repayment of debts, such as taxes, in a particular country or socioeconomic context. The main functions of money, as distinguished, are a medium of exchange, a unit of account, a store of value, and sometimes a standard of deferred payment, end quote. Now, when I read that, I have to stop and think, why is the U.S. dollar, of all things, the only medium of exchange in this country? You know, fascinatingly, 150 years ago, this country actually had multiple currencies. And the history of where the dollar came from is super interesting, but I won't bore you with it here. But here's my answer. The United States tax law orders that all taxes be paid in the legal currency of the United States, which is, you guessed it, the U.S. dollar. That's right. The reason why you pay your groceries in dollars is because the same currency that the grocery stores charge you for eggs and milk is the same currency that the grocery store will have to pay the government in taxes for the profit they made on those eggs and milk. If you or your grocer tries to pay this year's tax bill with a wheelbarrow full of jelly beans, you'd quickly find yourself on the other end of a jail cell. So the United States government has some sort of vested interest in keeping track of what is generally accepted use of payment for goods and services, like the definition of money says. And they want to keep track of that among the citizens, and they want to do so by the tax bill that's going to be paid. So let's just take this logic one step further. Why would the government want you to pay your taxes in dollars of all things? Doesn't the government have an infinite supply of dollars? Isn't dollars the one thing that they can print without abandon, without limit? Aren't dollars a currency with which the Federal Reserve can simply print without limit to cover whatever government expense it has? So with this kind of power, why tax your citizens at all if you could just print the money? Now there's a theory out there called modern monetary theory, and it says that the government should just be able to print whatever it needs to cover expenses and therefore run any deficit it wants. But if you can print unlimited amounts of money and deficits don't matter, why would there be a need for taxes at all? Why charge and drain your citizens of wealth through taxation? In fact, why would the government care what currency you paid those taxes? Seems they need other things other than dollars, like 
how about some cement or you know um steel rebar or something else to help build the roads and bridges that they're always talking about so why not pay taxes to the irs with things that the government needs rather than in dollars which they have an unlimited supply of my answer is control in the 1960s the government began taxing its citizens in order to impact society's behavior so i went over this in great detail with tom wheelwright He's Robert Kiyosaki's tax accountant. He was a guest on our show clear back in episode 178, where he describes the current tax law as a series of incentives. And I also went into a deep history of taxation in episode 164. Go ahead and check those out if you'd like. So by demanding that taxes be paid in U.S. dollars, the government is saying we control you. Now, I'm not in some sort of like mind control conspiracy theory kind of way, but in a fiscal way, they're hoping... You know, let's hope that this government has angelic intentions to build a better society. And I, I know many people working in government do want to see a better world. So if we as citizens begin massively buying into other currencies other than the dollar, or if we massively get into cryptocurrency or other dollar assets as a hedge against the dollar, because we believe or we want to see the United States uh, come crashing down, remember, they've got the largest governmental and military power in the world. Please be aware that before the dollar totally crashes and the U.S. goes out of existence, it will no doubt put up some sort of fight. So, my final thoughts. Will the dollar someday cease to exist? Yes, I can say unreserved yes to that. Just like all things this side of heaven, nothing is eternal. Not the dollar, not anything. Will it happen in our lifetimes or our children's lifetimes? My humble answer here is no. Too much capital. Too much military, too much power behind the dollar for it to collapse overnight. All of the world's banks find their headquarters here in the United States, or at least many of them do. And it would be more like the gold coins of the Roman Empire, I believe. The Roman Empire is famous for clipping and clipping on those gold coins until there was no value left. But the life insurance contract predates the U.S. dollar. And if we're to believe what we've talked about in other episodes, the Lindy effect, where the longer something is in existence, the longer its future remaining life expectancy. This means that the life insurance contract will probably outlast the U.S. dollar. In fact, there were life insurance contracts way back amongst the Roman Empire. There were life insurance contracts before the U.S. Constitution was written in this country. There were life insurance contracts before the U.S. dollar was the national currency and so, I believe there will still be life insurance contracts, even if we go off the dollar. Why am I so certain of this? Well, you can feel confident that the contract of whole life insurance is sound, even if the dollar became weak. Contracts are at the heart of Western civilization. In fact, you could argue that there is no civilization without the contract. In fact, there's something known as a futures contract where you pay a small fee now in order to buy something at a guaranteed future price later. Oftentimes, this is done with commodities. So if you believed that wheat prices, wheat and corn or soybean or whatever, if you knew those prices were going to go up in the future, you could lock in your lower price today by paying a small fee, sometimes called a premium, and then receiving that wheat at the lower guaranteed price in the future when you needed it. This is called a futures contract. Farmers have used that for generations. Future contracts are really just insurance contracts. When you get a future contract, you're insuring against the cost going up too high in the future. 
And if you've been listening to these episodes long, you and I both know quite a bit about insurance contracts. It's not a future contract per se, but dividend-paying whole life insurance is an insurance contract to protect us against a more expensive future. In fact, the way we design bank-on-yourself-type whole life policies helps you and keep up with and beat inflation. Here's exactly how that works. The cash value grows on a guaranteed basis, so you can know for certain that the cash value will be greater next year than it was this year and the year before. Much like a futures contract for wheat or corn, there's a predictable future cash value in the policy. So the whole life policy contract has a predictable future value. Also growing is the future value of the death benefit, giving a future value for your family no matter if you live or if you pass away. So if devaluing of the dollar rears its ugly head, we go back to some sort of 1970s or 80s style inflation, whole life insurance dividends will return to their double digits just like they did in the 1980s. Guys, the party's going to be at my house if we start to see mortgage rates and interest rates going way back up to normalized levels or even higher inflation. The insurance contract is a store of value because there is a guaranteed price of that value built right into the contract. In this way, the insurance contracts and gold are both stores of value, whereas some sorts of crypto and other forms of currency are not stores of value. Okay, if you've made it this far, I know you're interested in what this is like and what's maybe possible here, so I want to give you a bonus for making it all the way to the end. If the dollar goes away, if the U.S. goes off the dollar, the life insurance contract would be paid in the current legal tender of the territory or country that you reside in when you issued the policy. So I had this confirmed by several executives at insurance companies So it appears to be built into the insurance industry writ large. So if we move to a crypto dollar or we're swapping bottles of water as our currency, and that becomes now our cash value, our dividends, and even the death benefit would then be paid in the legal tender of the land, whatever it was, in the state or territory that you issued the policy in. As we end this episode today, I want to make sure you hear loud and clear that I am more hopeful than ever that putting money, real money, into a dividend-paying whole life insurance contract is one of the most prudent and wise things a person can do with their cash savings, even in these turbulent times. It protects us against many of the troubles of our current economic malaise and will give us opportunity to truly turn financial turmoil into your opportunity. I ask you to reach back out, push back on this if you have questions or ideas or other insights. You know, honestly, this is a changing world and it's always important to go back to first principles like contracts and real wealth. So thank you for joining me and exploring this topic with me today on Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.